Okay. Good afternoon, everyone. Your website works really well. Oh, good. Yeah, okay. Once I found how to get on to it. Works okay. We are on chapter 23, which uh, this week it works out great. Um, it's going to talk about Pesach. So that's the, uh, uh, which is just uh, very fascinating. We're at the end of the book of Kings 2. Uh, which is the end of an era. You know, sometimes before something goes out, it flicks, you know, it, it brightens. And uh, this was one of the last great kings, really, that had uh, uh, came close to fixing the problem and bringing Mashiach. He could have been the Mashiach, this king. Um, he came after a bad king, two bad kings. And uh, so let's let's begin here, verse 1. Ve'yishlach um, ha'melech, Let's see. So what happened was, in the previous chapter, we learned uh, that he tried to put things in order and fix up the Beis HaMikdash. And in that process of cleaning the Beis HaMikdash, they found the original Torah scroll that had been put away. There had been times where the kings uh, were destroying tradition and they felt a need to put it away to make sure it wouldn't be uh, harmed, and they found the scroll, but it was opened up uh, to the section about the fact that the Jewish people um, were uh, going to have to go into exile, and that uh, the um, the first base of English, the big problem was idolatry. That was the big problem. Uh, it's hard for us to relate to that, although we have plenty of our own uh, issues that uh, we get involved in. Uh, it's mentioned that idolatry included the big three, meaning they did human sacrifices, which was murder. Uh, they did adultery because in front of the idols they had all kinds of, uh, of uh, parties and things that they did all kinds of adultery. And, of course, they worshipped uh, other gods. Um, some people say that there were Jews didn't believe in it intellectually, but they enjoyed the fun, meaning that this was... Uh, uh, people did it. Uh, there was also drugs involved. There was, it was really like, a, um, uh, it wasn't just a religious type of thing, uh, the worship of idols. It involved all the senses. And uh, since all the non-Jewish world was into it, there were a lot of Jews that were attracted to it. With that said, uh, we understand that we don't have that desire today. Nobody has like a push and says, oh, let's go worship the, you know, the... Uh, um, that was, uh, that's no longer with us. But we do have plenty of uh, what we call Yetzaharas uh, that we don't understand. Like there, there are many great people that life could have been so good if they hadn't, uh, you know, um, if they just controlled themselves, if they didn't. Uh, for some people, it's money. When they come around money, they, they make poor decisions. They, you know, they can't help themselves. They do things they never should do and they get in trouble. For other people... Uh, it's the desires of the flesh, you know, they're not loyal to their spouses and they, they just can't help themselves. Uh, other people, it's drugs and alcohol. Other people, it's gambling. There are just a number of, of desires that we have uh, that people can get caught up in if they're not careful. Uh, and so uh, in that time, uh, I would say, though, the fact that the whole non-Jewish world worshipped idols was a challenge for us. We live in a world where all around us we're surrounded by a, an alien culture. And you begin to think, well, maybe that's normal. Maybe that's all good. No, it's not. <laughs> There's a lot of 
things that are in our culture um, that are not not our values and uh, it, it takes a lot to stick to your guns you know and so know is that the do you, I think it's the challenge that God personally gives to mm-hmm. me or mm-hmm. to people for whatever reason needing that challenge absolutely yes that's right. correct or fortunately right <laughs> right that's right so, uh, but uh, this king, uh, even though he took over at a very young age, and even though uh, his uh, father and his, the previous king had um, gone in the other direction, he had a certain purity to him. He had a certain way that he saw things for what they were. I would just point out that um, uh, when they wanted to speak to a prophet, they went to Hulda because they thought a woman would be more merciful. She wouldn't be as harsh as... Men can be very harsh. It's something about the male thing that they're, you know, rough and tough and a woman has a natural, you know, understanding, a softness, and so they thought Hulda would... Well, maybe she, you know, of course she would say the words of Hashem, but you know, the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash, the exile, maybe it wouldn't be so bad. That's what they were hoping for. Um, and that was all interesting. So, any rate... What is the king going to do? The king says, well, this is a major concern to us that basically they had a prophecy that if they didn't get their act together, they were going to be out of there. Uh, and so, therefore, he gathered together all the elders of Yehud and Yerushalayim. And they went to the base of Migdash. And he went with, uh, all together with the people, the Kohanim and the prophets, young and old, and he read to them the words of the Torah that was found in Hashem. He, you know, look, it's one thing to hear about it, it's another thing to see it. This is the Torah, you know, imagine if we could see the Torah that, you know, from Moshe Rabbeinu, or the Torah that was the, um, you know, the, the authentic Torah. And they read it in the Beis HaMikdash. It's, it's in that place. And they made a covenant. They said, Let's all make up. We're going to go follow Hashem. And um, it's Leleches uh, means to go. Like we have this often, to go in his ways. It's not a one-time thing. It's a commitment for life, really, to try to do the right thing. To always try to go in the right way. mitzvah to keep the mitzvahs. Some mitzvahs are, um, there are different types of mitzvahs. Each one is unique. So the Eidosav are those that testify, that uh, there are the mitzvahs like Shabbos, mitzvahs that testify what you believe in. And then there are mitzvahs kukosav, even the ones you have no idea why. They make no sense. Guess what? We're going to do a, we, we have, does, why do you do it? God says so. I don't know what it does, but it does something. Bekol Eiv, then you do it with all your heart. Bekol Nefesh, and all your soul. And everybody there, they all, they said, we're in. Everybody joined in. It's very powerful when as a group, people try to do something together. Now, uh, part, uh, a lot of times people have a, a move to, to do good. There's a part inside of us that wants to do good. Every person has that, that is, really wants to do good. But then the problem sometimes is that we have to, there's, you have to put away the bad in order to do the good. And so they uh, wanted to do good, 
So he said, all right, let's get rid of all the idols. <laughs> let's get rid of it right now. If we get rid of it right now, then we'll solve the problem. So they commanded all the Kohanim and all the people, even in the Beis Hamikdash, they had idols. That was, that was how bad it had gotten. So they removed the idols and things that were used for the idols. The people were into the, the worship of the sun and the moon and the stars. They burnt them outside the city. And they brought the ashes. They wanted to really, um, it's really interesting. This king wanted to not just, uh, you know, every, you know, one gener- one, you get a good king, everybody says, we'll do the right thing, then you get a bad king, and then a good king. He wanted to uproot idolatry from the people. So he wanted to go back to the roots. So the roots of idolatry started with the ten tribes. So he actually had to go outside of Yerushalayim to the, the ten tribes was outside of the land of Israel that had been conquered. And he went to the, um, the land there was largely uh, destroyed because the people had been kicked out. So he went to the ancient places where the ten tribes were and uh, he scattered ashes over the idols that they had made. Uh, there were two big synagogues, so to speak, or, or churches that were created by the people, the Ten Tribes, um, if you remember, they set up golden calves. And that's, it was like the first Jewish idolatry. And um, it might sound funny to us, a Jewish idol, uh, but we Jews, sometimes things aren't kosher unless we, um, we add a Jewish touch, you know, like the, um, the uh, uh, we like to make our own religions and we like to add our own color to it. But uh, the original Reform and Conservative were really trying to take the, um, uh, the Reform for sure was trying to take a, a um, uh, they were imitating non-Jewish forms of worship, you know, with the organ and uh, with the mixed seating. And they were trying to give it a Jewish flavor. Uh, in other words, they wanted, why can't we be more like the Gentiles and just give it a Jewish flavor and then it'll be okay. That was kind of the, and that's what the 10 tribes had done. They created their own idols. Idols intrinsically didn't, you know, I, it should be, uh, you know, Avramavinu would, you know, from the very beginning, we were against idols, but they took idols and they made it Jewish. Uh, they used the, the golden calf because uh, when they saw the image of Hashem's throne, there was a, a cow was on one of the corners, was one of the animals that was used to describe Hashem's throne. So uh, uh, this Jewish idol, so in order to uproot it, he needed to go back to the place where it started. So he went to the, uh, the place in Bezel and he destroyed uh, the remnants of the idols that were left there, where Jews used to go on pilgrimages, and he went to all of these places and destroyed them. And they removed, uh, they had trees that they used to trim the trees in certain shapes. And they used to worship on those trees. Sometimes they were beautiful trees, uh, but they, they, they were used for idolatry. And they cut them down and brought them to this valley and they burnt them in the river of Yazim and they spread the ashes uh, on, the, uh, on the graves over there. Now, um, the, uh, the priests to the idols had their own quarters that they hung out in. So um, these uh, priests, these were female priests, uh, sometimes the, the, the way they, uh, their form of religion was that it enabled people to do immoral things with these female 
people, and uh, that was how they did it. But they had their own special quarters. He got rid of all those, he got rid of that, that district. He got rid of that side of town. And some, I don't know why these women wove something. Uh, they wove curtains to the idols. Uh, it was um, uh, things that have, uh, take young people, young men and women, and put them together, they have to be suspect what, what their purposes are. Oh, it's for religious reasons. Oh, baloney was religious reasons. It was... Uh, Separated so you don't see. That's right. Okay. Now, he did an interesting thing. They had these um, places where they offered sacrifices, where people would make pilgrimages. They were like state parks. And they had these big barbecues. And he wanted to make sure that people wouldn't go back and make more sacrifices there. So what he did was... He took, uh, he made them impure. Uh, he, 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 he declassified, he deconsecrated them. He, made, he found a way to, I don't know if he put animal bones or bones of people. He, he made all of these, he wanted to wipe out idolatry. So the first thing is get rid of the way in which people sin. If you get rid of the idols, if you get rid of the altars, if you get rid of the trees... Uh, don't make, you know, it, it'll, it'll help. The people won't be able to go back to that. He went from one side of the country to the other, and he got rid of all these altars. He went to all these very different places, the different areas where they were. Um, uh, the... Uh, um, the people that had worshipped the idols, even though now the Kohanim, uh, there were some Kohanim who were being used in these temples for the idols, they weren't allowed to go back into the Beis Amigdash. Uh, that was the, once a, a um, it's a real discussion today, if somebody converts to another religion and they come back, can they come back and be a rabbi? Can they come back and serve in the Beis Amigdash? Um, and uh, he, he said no, that uh, uh, he went, they had a place where they used to sacrifice children. So he went and he made that impure. In other words, he made sure nobody would ever go back there again. Um, none of the, the other kings, they, uh, they tried to get people to do good, but they never fully destroyed the bad. He went out of his way to uproot all of the idol culture that was in the people. And once you take that away, so then it makes it a lot easier. Uh, people would take their son and their daughter in the fire. He wiped that all out. And uh, they had certain horses that would run towards the sunrise. There were certain ceremonies where they would, I don't know if they would run with, they would ride in the sunrise or towards the sunrise. Probably a very beautiful way to, like uh, sometimes people like to travel into the sunset. The old, all the movies used to have the horse walking, you know, going off into the sun. So the, something, uh, this, this is verse 11. So he got rid of all of these. He got rid of the horses. He got rid of the altars. He got rid of, um, and he really did a good job. Uh, uh, sometimes people aren't familiar with what are the places where uh, other people, uh, how do you uproot the evil? How do you take away the things that were the stomach block. And this king, he knew that we have to get rid of it all. If we get rid of it all, then, uh, then we stand a chance. So he, he 
there were many different forms of idolatry, whether it was these horses, whether it was the altars, whether it was the trees, like uh, all, all kinds of uh, other religious types of things that the people were involved in, he destroyed them. Uh, he burnt them all down. Now, some of them had things on their rooftop. Uh, he got rid of the ones. And some of them were even done by Jewish kings. Um, he, he was going to uproot bad no matter where it, it went to, um, even if it was the Jewish king. Asher uh, Menasha, that was his grandfather. And he destroyed it. And bit by bit, he went through every area in the land and removed anything to... Sometimes a job is like too big, you know, and so people don't do it because like, where do you begin? He went bit by bit by bit and got rid of every vestige of idol worship amongst the people. And what about the Bamos? That nobody, he went, they were on the Mount of Olish, there were some that went all the way back to the times of King Solomon. Now, King Solomon didn't build them, but he had foreign wives. And they went back, you know, hundreds of years. He went and he destroyed them. Now, some of these, the non-Jews who lived in Israel, they worshipped there. But uh, having them there, there were Jews that got involved in them too. He broke down the altars. And he put human bones there. He knew if there were human bones, that would keep them away. And he went to the original Jewish idol that had been built by Yeravim ben Nevat, Now, this is interesting because 300 years earlier, when Yeravim started doing the idols, uh, if you remember when his hand got shriveled, you know, and the prophet came to him and said, stop, and told him that one day this is all going to be burnt down and, uh, and it's going to be destroyed. And uh, now he actually did, this was a fulfillment of that prophecy. He, he wiped out the, what was left of that, um, the, uh, the idols and the monuments and the altar. He burnt it into dust and he burnt uh, the trees. Now, right, um, it's interesting. A lot of things that you see even today in, in Christianity and other places came, Christianity started in, in, uh, from Judaism, uh, from those ancient religions in the Middle East. So they used to have graves in the church. Uh, and that's, that's where all the churches have the cemeteries next to them. And, uh, um, and they, uh, part of their, uh, even in the Vatican, and these, they have, they have uh, people buried all around. That's part of their... Uh, uh, part of their services have to do with the death. Judaism is a religion of life. Our Kohanim, they're not even allowed anywhere near the deceased. Uh, you have to focus on the future. You can't, uh, there are times when we, you know, when we pray for the, but we don't have, uh, we, we don't even have a funeral in our, in our synagogues. It's very, you know, very unusual to have a funeral in a synagogue. Uh, occasionally, if it's like the, the, there's like one leader or something or one rabbi, you can occasionally have one in, but usually funerals are not held in synagogues because synagogues have to be places of life. You have to focus on, um, you have to be inspired from the past but you have to focus on uh, where you know the, what can be done now, what can be, how you can grow, and what you can do. Uh, so these, um, uh, they had apparently they had a cemetery right there next to the idols, right in the next to the sanctuary over there. So he dug up the uh, he dug up the bones. 
he took the bones and he burnt them. On he knew that um, uh, it, once you burn old bones and things in their skeletons, and uh, nobody would go there to pray. This would keep everybody away. And this was a fulfillment of the prophecy. who read these things. Now, when he was digging up the graves that were right there in the house of the idol worship, he noticed there was one grave a little different than the others. Verse 17. And he says, why does this look different? What's the story here? Um, It's interesting. Today, there are a lot of um, uh, people go on tours in Europe, and sometimes they stop at the Jewish cemeteries because we have a lot of history there. And whenever there's something a little different, there's always a story. You know, why, what, what, what went on here? What, and so it's fascinating, these things about, so he says, what, you know, why would this one grave be different? And he says that there was, uh, there was a prophet who came in the beginning to the Ten Tribes and tried to tell us we were doing wrong. And, uh, and uh, he was eaten by a lion. There was a whole story. He was buried there. Uh, and he said what would happen here. And so that grave he didn't dig up. That he left there because that was a, a righteous person. The rest of the people were idolaters. Even, in, um, even their graves wouldn't really rest. In other words, when a person, those people that promoted that kind of lifestyle... Uh, the idolatry, which, like we said, was every cardinal sin. It was the, they, they uh, you know, today sometimes they make it seem like it was, uh, it, it was uh, some type of uh, religion. Uh, they, they, they killed people. They butchered, the, all the sacrifices were not willing sacrifices. Uh, they find them in South America. They find all these uh, young women and children that were sacrificed to the idol by the hundreds. Uh, and their hearts are missing, and they, you know, they've dug them up, and they, you know, that's all, that when they, they would have battles, and they would sacrifice all the soldiers that they conquered, or the, they would, uh, it was really just a very murderous uh, cult. Um, today, people, uh, they, uh, they're upset that uh, the Indians aren't treated better, or, or the memory of the Indians, that's why you know, the Cleveland Indians had to change their name and the, uh, they don't like the tomahawk chop. And, uh, but, uh, and that's, there is somewhat to be said, maybe that they, a lot of them were wiped out or their lands were taken away. But what they fail to mention is, why, was, why did that happen? Why did the people who came here, why would they have just massacred these people that were there? So I'm sure there were some that were greed, but basically the, the Indians were... Um, what the word, they were idol worshippers and they used to uh, scalp people. You know, if you were a stranger and you were out at night alone, sometimes they would, you know, get their scalp and they kept these little skeletons and skulls and uh, not every Indian was peaceful. That's what I'm trying to say. And so what happened was when the, uh, the, um, uh, the people came over on the boats and they saw... These, they called them savages. Uh, they just wiped them out because they felt that they were so cruel and ruthless. I mean, just imagine somebody would go out for a walk to admire nature, and then they'd go and they'd find that they were scalped, you know, or they were, or they were, they were, they were, all kinds of things happened. So we today now we believe that if they were given education, all people are good, and we can get the get the bad ones and keep the good ones, and I'm sure some were good, but. Uh, when people were savages, 
the people that came over to this country just felt that there was nothing that could be done with them. Uh, and they felt that they were all evil. Now, again, I don't, I'm not saying that I agree with what they did, and I'm not, but you have to understand, that's why they wiped them out, is because the, the culture that they had was idolatry. And idolatry was pure evil. Uh, when uh, the husband died, they would, uh, they would uh, burn the wife on the, at the funeral. Darling, this not our Indians. In India, I think that's still, the uh, wives uh, go to a separate island. Um, a lot of that was, again, that they say some of the Indians were more peaceful than others. Uh, but in general, idolatry included the worst. That's, it's savages. That's, uh, so, uh, and believe me, the, uh, the people that came here were not such great people. Uh, but they, compared to the Indians, they, they looked at them and said, they're the savages. We would say they're both savages today. But I'm just saying, I'm not excusing what they did, but I'm saying, why did they think that way? They had people that were moral people that came over. to The reason they thought that way is because the idolatry, people that had that as a lifestyle, were just, like I said, they were savages. They, they did human sacrifices, and they did cannibalism, and they did orgies, and they, everything that we believe in as far as families and as far as they killed children, they killed wives, they, they killed the enemy, they would, on the battlefield, they would suck out the heart of the one they defeated. They did all kinds of really bizarre, and but I, I'm not saying, um, I'm not trying to judge, and I, I think that the problem people have is that they prejudice a whole people. Maybe some Indian tribes were not like that. So how do you just go? And maybe the wives and the children weren't like that. Maybe it was the warriors that needed to be uh, done. You know, but, uh, but the reason that they were totally wiped out was that some of the things they did were totally savage and awful. And so when the, uh, the, the people in this country saw that, they said, we've got to wipe out the Indians. Um, that, that now, that once the Indians changed and they no longer were savage and they were here first, did we have a right to take away their lands? Absolutely not. Uh, that's a different story. But I, the, I'm just trying to say that as a religion and a lifestyle, idolatry was really savage. It really needed to be uprooted. So at any rate, uh, they, um, this king made this campaign to get rid of all the idols and all the monuments. Um, some forms of idolatry seemed pretty neutral. Uh, you know, they worship the stars or the, but uh, it wasn't so. All of it leads a, away from Hashem. So that's what they did. And uh, he read, uh, um, uh, they, uh, they went back to the original idols and removed them. Um, the lesson here, though, is, is trying to get rid of the stomach blocks. If you leave everything in place and a person has access to them, in life you have ups and downs. Uh, everybody that's on a diet knows you take the fattening stuff out of the house. <laughs> you don't leave it around. Like, that's just, why not? I'm not going to eat it. Well, so then we take it out of the house. Don't have it in front of me. Take, out, take away the stuff I shouldn't be eating. That's, that's the best way. So this king really got it. And he went back and he uprooted idolatry from the land. Uh, and so that's what they did. We're like on verse 18. Uh, but they left that one monument that was the, the true prophet that came from Shomrim. And they had different houses uh, dedicated to these idols that were built by Jewish kings. Lahachis, they were built in spite. Hesir Yoshiyahu. So he not only got rid of the um, idols in Yehuda, he went to where the ten tribes were and he got rid of those idols as well. Uh, he, he did according to um, 
the things that were done there. Uh, what's interesting is he brings the ten tribes back. You see him acting, going outside of Yehuda, and he was the first outreach uh, king, you know, where he went and he brought the ten tribes back. And he also killed the, uh, the priests to the idols, and he burned their bones. Uh, and then he came back to Yishalayim. So he made a really big campaign to first get rid of the idols. Verse 21. So that was the getting rid of the evil. Now we're going to go to the good. But as long as the evil was there, uh, the, the people would slide into it, uh, then you had to suspect that all, all the rest would come. Mm-hmm. Who was the prophet that we're talking about? I believe his was name was uh, Ido. Ido. I think that's him. He, he had, um, we, we had talked about him in the beginning of the kings. He had, uh, but I don't remember. oh, yeah. He was, I think he was eaten by a lion. It was a long story. He wasn't supposed to spend the night, and he spent the night. Um, the, uh, but uh, he, um, he went there to, uh, to rid, rid the Jewish people of these. Uh, these idols, and uh, finally uh, make sure that, you know, t- that Jewish people wouldn't go back to them. Verse 21. So that was the, what we call sur meira, getting rid of the bad habits, making sure that uh, things that had been there for hundreds of years uh, and all quarters, whether it was the, the tree worship, whether it was the idol worship, he saw it for what it was. He saw what it had led to. Uh, in the previous chapter, we learned that uh, human blood had become cheap because of idols. That was really the, uh, the idolaters just didn't value life. Um, I mean, they used to burn the babies and human sacrifice. And uh, even, even, willing, even when it was done willingly, they would like offer one of their children like, you know, that's terrible. Like uh, babies would be screaming on being burnt in the fire. But that was getting rid of the evil. That's not our focus. Uh, I, but his, his focus was that's get, uh, getting rid of the bad, but you have to replace it with good. You have to give them something positive to do now. And what was that going to be? So he said, let's make a special Pesach this year, um, uh, one like we haven't had and in, 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 in we've never had before. In other words, uh, Pesach was... The Jewish people uh, went down to Egypt, Mitzrayim, and uh, we were there for a long time, and we were enslaved and broken and bitter, and uh, a lot of us had forgotten about Hashem and had adopted the worship of the Egyptian gods, and Pesach was the holiday to start again. It was the holiday to uh, uh, connect to Hashem, and uh, that was the, if you had to pick one holiday that would lead the Jewish people back to Hashem would be Pesach, because that was the first thing that we celebrated uh, as a new people uh, after we got our freedom from slavery. And um, the interesting thing today, uh, they have surveys of Jews that are no longer uh, religious and don't live in Jewish areas. The most common uh, ceremony that people do is many of them still have a Seder, even more so than do other other holidays and other things, somehow the Pesach Seder speaks to people. And so uh, uh, the king said, we're going to have a special Pesach Seder this year, like it's written in the covenant. Now, because the Jewish people had split up, it had been hundreds of years where the whole family was together. 
You know, imagine, you know, like uh, Pesach's not the same when, when not every, you, you don't have all your loved ones there. So, and they hadn't really had a, a Pesach like that since the days of the judges. And as long as they had kings, the people were divided. Uh, so, this year was going to be a special Pesach like we had, hadn't had in years. In his 18th year, Nasa Pesach Hazel Hashem Yushalayim. They made a special Pesach for the whole Klau Yisrael in Yushalayim. Um, people that worshipped idols uh, didn't come to Korban Pesach. The Gamas, Avos, the Yidon, Invest, the Trophy, Invest, the Golol, Invest, Kodeshkutim. Now, all the various idols and all the various statues and all the various things that were from the, uh, that had crept into the Jewish people, they were no longer there. He wanted very hard to bring everybody back to the ways of Hashem uh, that was written in the scroll that he had read in the house of Hashem. 25. There was never a king like this one. Uh, there never was a king like it. He turned back to Hashem with all of his heart. That, you know, that, that was his focus, was how do I bring the people back? How do I keep them from going back into idols? What can I do? Uh, and he did that in order to keep the Torah that was written, uh, the scrolls that he had found in the words, um, uh, There was nobody like it before him, and there was nobody like it after him. And had he lived longer, he might have been the Mashiach. Now, uh, he, uh, we're going to see later what happened to him. He ended up dying uh, too young. Um, uh, but basically what happened was, it's, it's interesting, we talk about this on Tishabov because had he lived longer, there wouldn't have been a need for a Tishabov. What happened was uh, the king of Egypt, Paro, uh, wanted to have his army cut through the land of Israel uh, Israel's always been a land bridge between Africa and, and, uh, and Europe. And he wanted to, to march his army through Israel to get to, the, uh, to fight against Assyria and the other nations that were there. Now, we have a promise in the Torah that when we're serving Hashem correctly, we won't have to have foreign armies on our territory. Having a foreign army, even if they're not fighting you, uh, cross through your land is not pleasant, uh, 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 many people, the, one of the reasons for the American Revolution was the British army was quartered in our cities. And in those days, if you had the army around, you had to, they could come sleep in your house, they would take your things, the women weren't safe. Uh, it was really awful to have an army uh, of soldiers in your midst. Uh, they, uh, they did what they want, they took what they want. So the Egyptian army was coming, and so he said the Torah assures us that when we're fulfilling the, the will of Hashem, we will not have to have that happen. Now, the Egyptian army was stronger than his army, but he had faith, but it was misplaced faith. Um, he thought that the people were no longer worshiping idols uh, and because he got rid of all the idols. But uh, unfortunately, there were people who were worshiping the idols in secret. And... Uh, there will be always, uh, you can only do so much, uh, but perhaps he should have known as the king that the, we can't rely on a miracle. You know, that's, uh, you know that Hashem promised that if, if we were doing everything we were supposed to, in this case, uh, he was good, but not all the people had really given up idolatry. 
Uh, and uh, he could have asked the prophet, and the prophet would have told him. But he said, I, know, uh, I don't need the prophet. I know everything. And it went, he didn't ask, and uh, one of the Egyptian archers uh, shot him with arrows. Uh, and uh, um, that was the uh, unfortunate story because uh, uh, the basic idea was that uh, sometimes it's the king that holds the people down and sometimes it's the people that hold down. And in this case, the king, he was a good king. He did everything right, but the people weren't, uh, weren't on that level. They, uh, they, uh, they, they were still worshiping. Even though he got rid of the big idols, they were still worshiping idols behind closed doors. Uh, but at any rate, uh, he tried as much as he could, and he turned back to Hashem. Twenty six. Akloshav Hashem Mekornapo. Hashem did not yet uh, um, change his mind about what was going to happen eventually to Eretz Israel because he was angry with Yehuda because of the things that he had done. Really, it happened during the reign of Manasseh that the people had just not um, had 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 uh, adopted idol worship and had just really changed. They no longer were doing the right things. And Hashem said, uh, you know, there's a privilege to live in Eretz Israel. And if they don't behave, then you get kicked out. Kasher, just like I kicked out the ten tribes, umasias irhazos. And I no longer choose this city that I have chosen, Vesabias, and my house. I said my name will be there. That's only when they were worthy of it. But now that the people aren't behaving right, then uh, they can't stay here. Yeser, Tiver Yeshayahu, and all the rest of Yeshayahu, Vakolasha Asa, they're all written in the book of Tiver Yahweh Malkihuda. So this is really a, a glorious uh, chapter because he did accomplish a lot. Um, it's a shame that it, it didn't lead to the Mashiach. You know, it didn't go all the way. The people uh, weren't ready for it. Uh, but this idea that Pesach can be a time of inspiration, it can be a new start. And uh, no matter how low the people had sunk, this was a time of opportunity and excitement uh, that uh, their changes were made that hadn't been made in hundreds of years. Um, some of those changes were to having the unity of having bringing the people back. That's why we try to have get people together for Pesach. Uh, in his days, Paro is Paro the Lame. That was his nickname. Apparently he, uh, he was lame. Uh, he came up from Mitzrayim, Al-Malachasher, to fight against the Assyrians, and he came by the Euphrates, and the king came to defend the people. Uh, and he was killed in Megiddo, in the city of Megiddo, when he was seen by the archers. And he, the, his servants tried to save the king and remove him, but it was too late. Those days when people were shot, um, they really didn't have any effective means to control the infections. Uh, that you know that was once they were injured, that was it. They brought him to Yushalayim and Bikwa, and they buried him. Now uh, the next king was b- going to be Yehoahaz, that his son Vimsha, and he was anointed Vimlichioso Tachasavi. And uh, we'll stop here. This is verse thirty-one uh, with the next uh, king. Um, the uh, the next king was not going to be like the father. That, let's just put it that way. What what a shame, though. Like the in in on Tisha B'av, we talk about it, it, it. What could have been? What should have been? You know what happened? Uh, uh, but he tried. You know he really tried his best to wean the people away from idolatry. But uh, sometimes when people have been doing something for so long, they can't break away. 
You know, it's just like it was a habit. Idolatry was a habit, and they uh, uh, a bad habit. And uh, sometimes you get rid of the the big idols, but the people were still doing it in secret. There was something about it that that uh, was hard to wean them from. But the uh, the best chance was with Pesach. Pesach is a holiday in the springtime. It's a holiday of starting over. It's a holiday of of blooming. It's uh, all of that is part of what Pesach uh, can represent. Uh, and so that's the, uh, um, just interesting that that was his, uh, that was the holiday that he, he used as a springboard.